0: Hi I'm Michelle Brooks, welcome to Endo Matters. This is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition no longer letting it control them. I'll be asking you the listener what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo. After all, endo does matter.
1: Because you go to a gynecologist for endometriosis now they can only deal with your gynecological organs so when it spreads me, I found also it spread to my bladder. For five years, I was going to a urologist who didn't actually know about endometriosis. I went in for my third surgery and he removed them all and six months later I, I did fall pregnant.
0: Hello listeners and welcome to this month's episode of EndoMatters. So for a long time I've talked about my actual journey with endometriosis and I've always maintained the fact that I don't have it as severe as some people. I generally have symptoms at the time of the month so I have like a lot of pain at the time of the month for a few days and that's probably a bit in the lead up to I'll have some um, kind of symptoms, some brain fog, Um, some like PMT symptoms but I generally will not have much outside of that time so I wanted to invite somebody on who has it a lot more severe than this to get across the fact that this is not a, a condition that is you know to be sneezed at it's not something that's to be looked upon as something not severe because it really is and the guest speaker I've got on today for you is somebody who knows all about this. She's called Michaela Abenson and uh, I met her a good few years ago and I've followed her journey ever since. She has a brilliant blog out there called Pretty in Pain and she also does a lot of work for Endometriosis UK now. So um, without further ado, hi Michaela, how are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm okay, thank you for having me
0: absolute pleasure it's great to have you on the show so Michaela just like to start off with um we're going to talk a lot about your journey and so really where to start i think is when did you first know that you had this thing called endometriosis
1: i didn't actually get diagnosed until i was 18 um but i had been suffering pretty much since um, my first periods which was the age of 12 Um, I recently, whilst looking into my medical notes, because for me, everything got so complicated. I didn't realise that I actually suffered with bowel problems from the age of nine. But up until now, when people have asked me, when did I notice my first symptoms? I have been saying 12 because my bowel problems I wasn't aware of, should I say. But I didn't get my diagnosis until I was 18 spent years gosh yeah fighting yeah i
0: mean they're saying like um it changes doesn't it the average time to get diagnosis but the same about 8 years at the moment so that probably would have been right for you as well wouldn't it if you'd have started probably with like um symptoms of it from the age of 9 then really yeah that is the 8 years isn't it
1: and and the more i research it the more i'm seeing why the diagnosis takes so long Um, And it's just so interesting because it shows that the um, GPs, they're not actually following the NICE guidelines because when I looked into, you know, why people aren't getting referred earlier, um, it seems that the GP aren't referring people according to the NICE guidelines of their symptoms um, of when they should be referred. And it also seems that um, patients are being referred to the wrong speciality because they're not yeah. necessarily being sent to gynose, even though you know i mean you do if it's spread to other organs you need to see the other specialities but so many people i mean i was sent to loads of gastros first between the ages of like 12 and 17 had loads of tests done they thought it was crohn's um, because it does if it comes in the bowel it does mimic crohn's um and it, this whole eight-year diagnosis thing, um, it's really more of a neglect than it's just hard to diagnose, which is originally, yeah. I thought maybe it takes eight years because it is so hard to diagnose, but the more research I do, the more I see that I don't, it's not, it's, it seems to be more of a neglect than it being so hard to diagnose, which is awful. Yeah, it's true, um, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so would you say that your main issues with the condition have been on the bowel um looking back I would say one of the main ones yeah yeah
1: I wasn't addressed at all until really recently when I had already had you know nine excision surgeries they knew by now I had to have the hysterectomy because of the damage and because I also had adenomyosis which is kind of the system Mm. it's when adenomyosis is when i guess for the followers who are listening um adenomyosis is when the cells go in the muscle wall of the uterus and they can't be removed well there's two types of adenomyosis there's there's diffuse and i don't remember the name of the other one i should know it and it's like if the cells are all together then occasionally they can be removed but if they're spread out in the uterus they can't be and that also was the reason for my hysterectomy. But as I said, when looking back on my medical notes, every every note from the from when I saw the guy now, and even when I was under gastro, like this woman can't empty her bowels. Now no one did anything about it, but it was on my notes. And every surgery it said, Oh, we couldn't go into her bowel, it couldn't be empty. And that's after I had had bowel prep and everything. Now no one looked into that. Until I had an MRI done by a specialist stenographer who saw there was deep infiltrating endo all in my bowel. And then it's like for all these years I've been saying, oh, my main symptom was period pain because that debilitated my life. But it was also in my bowel because I didn't realise that the yeah, yeah. bowel pain that I've lived with my whole life wasn't normal and was actually associated to the endometriosis. Yeah. Yeah
0: crazy isn't it I mean I talk to a lot of women and, and generally um, the majority of us will have that kind of bowel problem yeah. and we we diagnose as IBS you know obviously I've, I've always maintained that I've not got it as severe as, as a lot of people but I've always had problems with the bowel as well right. right from being very young you know every time he got stressed it was always my bowel that was the yeah. problem and I, I just find it, like, fascinating that every single woman I talk to about endometri- who has been diagnosed with endometriosis does talk about the bowel, but yet the medical profession have never really, like, talked about it as a thing together.
1: Yeah. It's just ridiculous how, um, you know, you have an illness that affects the whole body. It's a full-body illness. And when you go to your specialist about the other organs, they kind of dismiss it. I found from my story, and I speak to quite a lot of women, um, and they all seem to have the other, you know, it's dismissed because you go to a gynecologist for endometriosis. Now they can only deal with your gynecological organs. So when it spread, mm. me, I found also it spread to my bladder. For five years, I was going to urologists who didn't actually know about endometriosis, but the endometriosis specialist only knew about the gynecological organs. So who could help yeah. you on the other organs? Like we're kind of just, yeah. you know, I'm speaking to people now who have thoracic, endometriosis and yeah. like, doctors don't even believe it can grow there but it has been found on every organ of the body and the only other illness where it spreads to every other organ and they actually cut out the organs because of it is cancer and you know yeah. in America as well because I do a lot of research and I'm speaking to a lot of specialists a lot of them say that by looking at the disease as a benign type cancer, they're treating it a lot better because yeah, they have a proper multidisciplinary approach and a better understanding of yeah. it. And they know they're dealing against time, which is something not many doctors realise. Like, it does spread. We are dealing against time here.
0: Yeah, it's, it's as if, like, there's no communication between the departments, isn't it? Yeah. And it is a multidisciplinary approach condition isn't it it's not just one thing yeah. like you're saying you've got it on urine retract you've got it on bowel yeah. and it's, it's it's not just these separate things they all need to be treated together yeah and not as a separate thing but nobody knows what to do because right. they don't know about the endometriosis it's it's yeah. a real like vicious circle isn't it
1: yeah and you know my, my last surgery I had to have it in a cancer hospital um so I had an, a team of oncologists and I saw how they worked together and it should, be, mm. you know, it's. A, I know it's a separate illness, but it should be treated like that because it spreads like cancer. It ruins people's yeah. lives like cancer. And yeah. it needs to have a multidisciplinary approach with specialists that, yes, they know about each separate organ, but they have to know about the endometriosis as well, not just, you know, any bowel specialist or any urologist or whoever else you go to. They might be a specialist in that field, they couldn't know nothing about endometriosis and yeah you know if you have them operating on you then put it bluntly, you're pretty screwed they won't be getting it all out Mm
0: -hmm. it's a big crazy isn't it yeah So, so let's go back to you were 18 you got the diagnosis of endometriosis what happened then
1: um so they did a laparoscopy and um obviously they went in and I wasn't empty enough so they were like you'll have to come back in two weeks where we can to heal from this and we'll try and get as much out as we can I didn't understand much about it then um you know I googled and there's a bit on google and even bits on google isn't that accurate so I still didn't really know what I was in for um and this was also three months before I was getting married so I'd had these two surgeries and the specialist told me it's gone, there's no chance of it coming back. So I thought like, great, that was a very bad time of my life and I'm moving on now. Little did I know that it was kind of the beginning of a whole new nightmare um, because I didn't get better after the surgery. And I went on with the specialist who diagnosed me to have another three surgeries and only now that I'm doing so much research and looking back on my story in hindsight, am I aware that he kept missing the endometriosis. He wasn't getting it from anywhere. Um, but they didn't. he never gave me enough information about it, so I kind of trusted the specialist. He's done these two surgeries. He's removed it all. He said to me, if you have problems with fertility, come back, which I did go back a year later. Um, but they... Really, just he made me believe that it was that simple. I had had this condition. That I, but the second I went into the appointment and told him my symptoms and I had been passed around, he was like, "You're in the right place." He straight away said, "It sounds like endometriosis. We're going to operate." And I came out of that appointment feeling like, "Wow, somebody's listened to me. There's finally a name for it. He's going to operate, and everything's going to be fine." And far from really, is what happened. Like mm. many other people you know, we go for surgery, and many people, they don't even find the endometriosis. I was covered in it. They had to remove my appendix as well. It had spread there. How he missed it from other places, I don't know. Like, now I found out in my last surgery, it was all over my peritoneum. Now, online, and the research, the medical papers I've read said that's one of the most common places it's grown. It was never mentioned to me in any of my nine endosurgeries, and um, it's, kind of worrying and and that was kind of the first two surgeries I had leaving thinking everything was going to be okay but it wasn't really.
0: yeah terrible isn't it yeah so you you managed to glad you know um half felt like amazing that you've actually got two children haven't you now yeah um how was that for you did did you have problems with the fertility
1: yeah, so um, I learned a lot about fertility because um, I guess I was kind of a bit naive to it before. I thought, you know, if you can't get pregnant, you go for IVF, and if you uh, you either can't, yeah. you can't. I didn't realise that, especially with having endometriosis, there's so many variables as to why one with endometriosis can't get pregnant, and both my fertility journeys mm-hmm. very different because of where the endometriosis was at, at that stage in my life, and the treatment I'd had. So with my daughter, who's now seven, I guess from when I got my diagnosis, we knew there would be fertility problems, a high chance, because I had also been diagnosed with polycystic ovaries um, at the age of 16, so I knew my chances were lower. Um, I did get married at 19, which is very young. Now I kind of see that this whole bigger picture that I don't know why I got married so young or why I went to have kids so young. I mean, I, I am Jewish and I live in the Jewish community and it is quite common to get married young. Um, but for me, it was, you know, I fell in love and it was the right thing to do. But I know that yeah. this journey that happened kind of happened for a reason because I would have lost my chance to have kids. So yeah. we, we were told to start trying straight away. Um, my mum and my grandmother had had to have a hysterectomy. Of course, they didn't know why at the time, but they had adenomyosis as well. So I always knew I was against time. Um, so I got married and we tried for um, a while and nothing happened. And we knew that we should go back to the specialists. So, at this point, the only specialist I knew was the one that had operated on me. And I, he was a ve- Out of all the specialists I've seen to this day, I'll still say, he had the best bedside manner. And he was the kindest one. He might have done a horrendous job, but to find a doctor these days with a good bedside manner is very hard. Mm-hmm. So he spoke to me about my fertility options and said, you probably need it removed from um, your from your ovaries again because last time it was covered and if it's covered again you won't be able to get pregnant so I went in for my third surgery well this was actually my fourth my third by him but my fourth in general and he removed them all and six months later I, I did fall pregnant Um, and it was a miracle I mean he was so shocked he hugged me and the pregnancy was difficult and uncomfortable And I was given um, dihydrocodine, which they say is safe to take during pregnancy. Um, And she was born by emergency C-section. That's simply because the labour was long and she was stuck. Nothing to do with the endo. But between Mm. then and my son being born, the endometriosis kept spreading. I also went on prostrat injections, which... I believe affected my fertility as well, because there's a five and a half year gap of us trying in between my kids and with my son, who's now two, um, I couldn't ovulate naturally. So I did have to go on for hormone treatment um, to help me get pregnant, which to put it simply was awful. It was really awful. The hormones were awful. I became suicidal. Um, I remember thinking like for me it was so important to give my daughter a sibling and after on the fourth month of the treatment I said to my husband I can't do it anymore so we stopped it and I my symptoms got worse but there were no new symptoms so nothing that would make me think I was pregnant you know I was already in a lot of pain I was already nauseous a lot of the time it was getting worse. And I ended up getting admitted to hospital where they insist on doing a pregnancy test. And I'm like, you always do it, and I'm never pregnant. Turns out this time I was pregnant. And that <laughs> fertility treatment that had 20% chance of working, and we had been trying for five and a half years and nothing, it worked. And it was a miracle. And to this day, I have two miracles, and it's just my family. I was just gonna
0: say, it sounds like you got two little miracles on your hand there.
1: I really know and especially because I speak to so many women who are my age now and struggling and I know that if I had got to this point and not tried I wouldn't be able to try and it's really hard for women with endometriosis to be put in a position where we have to try when we're younger because the illness only progresses and will only affect our fertility more and it puts us in a difficult position because you know some people have the choice of waiting till they're ready and we don't always have that choice of waiting till they're ready. But I'm glad yeah. that I jumped into something I wasn't ready because I didn't miss my, yeah. my chance even. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that, that's, that's a lovely story. And through all that you've been through in your life with, with this horrible condition that's obviously taken over your body, basically. Yeah. um, It's just such a lovely story that you've been able to conceive and have those two lovely children, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, kind of, you know, everything I've been through, I guess, well, I say I don't think I'd be here if I wouldn't have them because when things got so bad, it was them that kept me going. It really was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've, I've read a lot of your blogs and uh, the, the days that you describe in, your, in what you write about not being able to get out of bed and you choose to have a day with your children and, and that is the sacrifice the next day that you know that you're going to be in bed all day. Yeah. It's you know as I, as I keep saying you know I, I I have had a rough enough time but I've never had it to this level so to read that just just makes me feel like I'm very lucky.
1: Yeah, I guess yeah. Although it it kind of is heartbreaking to know that any of us suffer to any extent. Yeah. But exactly. Yeah, it comes with a lot of mum guilt and it's difficult not being an average mum and. Now that my daughter's seven, I can see it's actually really affecting her and we've started her in therapy. Um, but it, it's hard for the whole family. And that's why I think is important to have a mum that isn't around or that you have to see in so much pain or you know, my daughter says, my mummy has to rest a lot. It, it's really hard. And this wasn't the idea I had of being a mum, but at least I get to, and at least I have them to keep me going. Otherwise, honestly... And again,
0: you know, I, I urge list, listeners to go and look at your um, writing because you just describe it so beautifully as well. But what comes through as well through what I've read is the fact that you're a family unit and you all support each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm very lucky my husband is a carer and has been for 11 years. Um, and that really helps with patients, understanding, and the whole medical side yeah. of it all. And, yeah, we really, like... I'm the one suffering but it affects them like sometimes it's harder to watch someone suffer than to be the person suffering I think. And as a family we are all going through it and we are all affected by it and we all support each other through it. We have to. It's really- That's
0: great. And that's really important. I always say, like, um, with people I work with, um, just make sure you get some support from somewhere, yeah. um, whether it be your partner or if your partner can't handle it, you know, have, have an endo buddy, I always say. Yeah. You know, find somebody who understands what you're going through and you can, like, have this conversation and support each other when you're having a bad day.
1: Yeah. The, the endo community has, has been amazing. You know, when you need to speak to someone who gets it, as amazing as as my husband is and you know he does understand it a lot because he's watching it so he can see it yeah but to go online and to talk to these women who are going through it as well it's really helpful there's an amazing online community
0: yeah i was going to talk to you about that actually because you started doing some work for endometriosis uk haven't you as in like um organizing meetings meetups so for women
1: through them actually it's not through endometriosis oh is it not There was just none in our area. I did contact them and um, they weren't doing any. They said to me, if you want, arrange your own. Um, But my husband and I are actually looking to set up a charity um, just to help support women through it and everything and to kind of dive more into the research side of it and to connect the doctors to the research because... That seems yeah. to really be missing. But no, I did, um, I started a support group in Manchester. Um, there wasn't one. Um, we've done two so far and um, just doing one a month. And it just helped me to get out and go and meet people rather than always speaking online to people. Um, I don't get yeah. out very often. And you lost, you lose a lot of friends along the way, I found. You know, you can't keep up with social life and going out and stop asking you and so to actually physically go out and to physically have a conversation with someone going through it is just something that I needed because I was kind of losing my mind from having no other human interaction apart from my family mm. or you know the doctors
0: yeah 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 so if you do the doctors become your friends isn't it
1: yeah when you see them more than your friends that's when you start to think okay something right yeah
0: yeah but that's no, amazing that you've set that up um I just assumed that it was through endo uk but doing it on your own is just phenomenal mm-hmm. and it is a lifeline for some women that um feel a little bit alone in this um in this world with the condition and I think that's amazing that you've, you've started to connect people together so that they're not feeling that loneliness through this mm-hmm.
1: And the thing with so many of the women is i found that they didn't know so many other people were suffering. So I say to them, get online, you know, get on Instagram. There's thousands. Get on the group. And in a way, sometimes I have to put my phone down because I'll be heartbroken by the amount of women and the amount of messages I get. And other times it's the only thing getting me through is going on my phone and talking to them
0: yeah definitely so Michaela obviously you've had to sadly have a hysterectomy now yeah. has that changed anything for you has things improved
1: um so it's it has changed things um it's hard to see whether it's improved I feel I've just swapped the issues um okay so I don't have this month. well I I never had regular periods and it was never monthly bleeding I would just bleed on and off um, so much that I was anemic, I couldn't get out of bed I bled through pads pyjamas, bedding we just had to get a new mattress because we thought I'm not having any more periods let's get rid of our stained mattress and move on from that Um, so that has gone and the bleeding um, which was really debilitating as well. I couldn't stand up. It's great not to have that. However, I've been left with this um, long-term, well, let's see how long-term it will be. The doctors have all said it's long-term and irreversible. My bowel and my bladder don't work. So I have to self catheterize to go to the bathroom to urinate and I have to use something called an irrigation kit to go to the bathroom to empty my bowel. Um, many most people who are in the situation that I'm in will go on to have a stoma at the moment I'm trying to avoid that the reason being is during my hysterectomy which was done via uh, open abdominal surgery they said to me there's a 50% chance you'll need a stoma and I came out without it um, and um, they clearly didn't do what they needed to do because my bowel was even worse after but I've had 12 surgeries in total so to go now for 13th surgery I mean each surgery causes the endometriosis to get worse which is something that no surgeons tell you because the adhesions and the trauma um, they do affect the illness and they do make it worse and the Guardian recently shared an article that we've discovered that multiple surgeries make endometriosis worse. And this actually made me really angry because there was a research paper that came out in 1998 that showed that multiple surgeries will make the condition worse. So that was known about, and why are these top specialists going in? I mean, I follow someone, she's about to have a 14th surgery. And like, I've just said no now. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I've been going for how many years 16 years I've been having surgeries I've been taking all the medicine that they've told me to take all the hormones they've told me to take whatever treatment they've told me to do and recently you know I had this massive surgery and I was after that surgical menopause as well Is something no one warned me about no. it's I had my surgery in January so we're in uh, October now and I'm still struggling majorly and I've been on the waiting list to see a menopause specialist because the gynecologist doesn't know what to do the GP doesn't know what to do to go through menopause surgical menopause which is very different to chemical menopause yes. and natural menopause Absolutely.
0: Which again, I didn't
1: know. I wasn't prepared for it because I thought i have been through chemical menopause twice. It's so different and there's no help. The GPs, they even say, I don't know what to do. You know, they give you a standard HRT dose. So that's been really awful as well. So I had this major life-changing surgery that I've had been told by every doctor, this is going to help you. This is going to cure you. And I kind of see how if you have mild symptoms of endometriosis and you can get through, your life up until having a hysterectomy with these mild symptoms. I can see how it would help yeah. patients who also have adenomyosis. I can't see why they would even think it's a cure. Firstly, there's thousands of women that it grows back with because you don't need your female organs for it to grow. Endometriosis grows from oestrogen, which mm. we get in everything. It's in soy. It's in everything these days. And it Mm -hmm. does come back. So a hysterectomy isn't a cure. It also, you know, unless your adenomyosis is really bad, which is why I had to have mine. I was left bleeding internally. Then it's not going to fix. And the fact that they make you think that and then leave you after, it's harder to get help after, is just devastating. And I felt so lost since January that I know now, going back for another surgery, having to recover from another major surgery, having lost more of another organ, I just don't feel is the answer for me right now. And I get a lot of messages from people being like, oh, are you telling me I shouldn't have had a stoma? And I'm not at all. And, you know, if I was opened up, if I would have woken up from my last surgery with it, which I spent, went for therapy for when they told me you're having surgery, you might need it. And I emotionally prepared and mentally prepared myself I just have to try something else. You know, Western medicine has done so much for me. I believe Western medicine comes at a price because every medication you take, every surgery you take, every treatment you have, it does have side effects. And I've said to my followers and my specialists, give me a year of seeing if I can try alternate treatment, alternate therapies and heal down." because, you know, so I've had three open surgeries because I had two cesareans and then my last surgery was open surgery and um that alone causes trauma to a bowel being on opioids affects the bowel um and I've actually been speaking to a specialist in Germany and bowel specialist in Israel because they have um, phenomenal research into bowel problems there and um they do say that, you know, a stomach will only cause more problems long run. And I just need to try and not have more problems after, you know, I've lost six organs already. I'm not just going to rush to take out another.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, well, I can't tell you you're you doing the right thing, but it sounds to me with all you've been through that that possibly is no. the right way for you right now. You talk about like um, alternative therapies at the moment. So, what are, what are you trying? Um, so I've
1: started pelvic floor therapy, which I wish I would have tried earlier. Um, I found out about this by reading um, "Beating Endo" by Iris Orbach. Now I know, I like every specialist. Some love her, some hate her. You know, the specialists that I would love to destroy for destroying me um people love them and some people hate them and this is also you know I go on Nancy Nook and it's amazing but you have to remember there will be bad reviews as well no specialist has done a good job on everyone so no one told me about this and I found out about it and I did a short podcast which I have been trying to start my own but not had much time so I did a short instagram video it's on spotify as well about the benefit of pelvic therapy not just for women with endometriosis but for women with chronic pain and chronic pelvic pain and the idea behind um, pelvic floor physiotherapy is that when our bodies are in pain and we're having these excruciating painful periods even for patients who are mild and you know you say you only get your pain once a month which isn't really an owner to you know have that much pain <laughs> once a month, but our bodies tense yeah. up, and what happens when our body's tense and our pelvis tense, you know all the organs down there tense, and um, you know our vaginas tense, our our, our anus yeah. tense, the the organs tense, and then a lot of the symptoms that we get, you know, painful sex, painful urination, it is to do with the endometriosis growing there. It's also because we're so tense. Um, mm. so physio helps that. And I wish I would have tried physio before my hysterectomy so I could have tried those techniques during my periods when I, my body froze. But that has um, just, I, I was faint. When I did use the irrigation kit, for example, I would faint. It was so painful. Yeah. Through physio, it's helping me to do these things without fainting, it's helping me to deal with the pain. I also am drastically changing my diet. And I know that a lot of people don't believe in this. And I actually did recently get in touch with two endometriosis charities to say, let's spread more information about diet. And their response was, oh, our research team hasn't found anything about this. Now that (laughs) was devastating for me because forget endometriosis, look into any inflammatory illness, which endometriosis is. The most important thing is what you eat. And I know that is the most impossible thing. I have the biggest sweet tooth, the biggest sugar cravings. I mean, getting off sugar was in some ways just as hard as me and withdrawing from opioids because, you know, I will not eat meals, but I could have three, four chocolate bars a day. I just crave the sugar. But... Yeah. the fact and the research is there and the science is there and you know I send people podcasts and and evidence and and research and medical papers and I understand that western medicine doesn't believe in it so much but my husband had a accident had a bike accident before I met him and when he has too much sugar that knee that he hurt gets inflamed and he takes ibuprofen and he feels it and it's there and it's really hard to do. And people do it for two weeks and say it doesn't make a difference. And, you know, minimum, you have to cut it out. It takes six months just to get it all out your system. And now I've recently listened to a podcast of someone who healed themselves um, from a different anti-inflammatory illness. And she said, you know, you've got nothing to lose. If your life is as bad as you're saying and you are in this much pain, and you and this is what I say to the people who are messaging me and I wish someone would have said it to me again earlier like I'm only I think I only had the strength to look into it all now as well yeah but you know I get it that our life is so hard and it's hard enough to make food and do the meal prep and when you feel so weak you just want to grab some ice cream and when you're all home mm. you just want chocolate but It is going to add to the inflammation, to the pain in your joints, to your emotional health, to the way you feel. And I have only just started it. So, but I did, I was on a diet for a few years when I was first diagnosed. And I know it did help and it takes a lot of willpower and it's not going to take away all your symptoms. But, you know, if you do these things such as physio and diet change and also your mental health, which is vital, and mm-hmm. therapy and dealing with past trauma as well, because trauma sends signals to the brain and the, that makes your illness work. And if each of these things only help your pain, maybe 5 or 10%, is that not better than n- not helping it like- at all?
0: Yeah. It's, it's totally what I teach. Um, obviously, I work with a lot of women with endometriosis and my three-tier approach, which I always talk about a lot, mm-hmm. um, exercise, nutrition, and I call it stress management, but it is about the mental side of the illness as well. Um, but the exercise for me, it's not like about people think like because I'm a personal trainer that I'm qualified as a personal trainer and they have this image that I just like be somebody in a gym. It's not like that with women with endometriosis. I do teach a lot of like hip opening and pelvic work, pelvic release work, because it is very important for us at this like stage, especially I teach it to, to do in the run up to the period when with women who have the conditions similar to what I have in that they have symptoms cyclically. Then I always do teach to open up the pelvis, you know, um, pelvic release, Mm -hmm. um, during that time really does help and the like you're saying with the inflammatory stuff we want to reduce inflammation as much as we can possibly do naturally because we've got inflammation going on already so if then you're adding to it by putting in inflammatory foods and doing exercise that again causes inflammation in the muscles and the joints then you're not going to help the condition are you
1: yeah oh that's i didn't know there were certain exercises that um cause inflammation that's so interesting
0: absolutely yeah because if you're if you're um for instance lifting weights then it's putting a stress on the body and it will inflame the muscle
1: Uh, and I do get how hard it is because I remember when I first got in touch with you and I was desperate to come into you and at that point I couldn't even get out of bed and I was like okay well I'm gonna have to wait and now looking back I'm like I wish I would have just pushed myself because it could have helped me and i'm kind of using my journey to urge others to learn from my mistakes to learn from the multiple unnecessary surgeries to being operated on by any surgeon who said they know about endometriosis to not responding to people like you who were trying to help me because i my condition got so much worse and i genuinely believe that maybe it was going to get this bad, but I could have deleted, I could have made it less hard for myself, I could have used all the tools that are out there to help me. And, I'm now using that from this point on, I've, I've like kind of learned that and now I have to, but I just hope that people listening know that, you know, people like, you, it's not for the money. Like people that I put on Instagram, like all oh, these personal trainers and these dietitians are messaging me, and they just want money. And it's not. It's really not. Most of them have been through it, and that's why they're doing it because you genuinely want to help, and you know how beneficial it is. And when you're in such a dark place, and the pain is so bad, and you've got this diagnosis on paper, it's hard to believe that any of these things will help you. But if you just try and be open-minded for a minute and listen to other people's stories and do the research for yourself instead of just trusting this doctor who has spent however many years in medical school, I I think you can help yourself. I think people can help themselves more than we know.
0: I completely agree with you. And again, I always say to people, don't just take my word for it either. Do your own research. Make sure it's right for you. I can only advise on the things that I know. And whilst I like pride myself on having a lot of knowledge about this, I don't know everything either. Yeah. and None of us know everything. So find your own way as well.
1: Yeah. And I think like like you said that about you and when people message me for advice as well, I say, this is from my experience. I am from Mm. what I know about endometriosis where it's grown on me, but it's the same with the specialists, you know, we go and we expect them to know everything and have all the answers. And also anyone who's not, you know, it's interesting what makes you an endometriosis specialist. Why can you put that title on the end of your name? How much have Mm. they learned because about endometriosis, you know, I've taken research papers and medical papers to specialists that didn't know this and this isn't hard this is stuff I'm finding on Google and the stuff that they say like have a hysterectomy or just get pregnant or it will go once I've removed it it's worrying because it shows how little they know about the illness and the more specialists I go to and speak to it's just worrying it's like do you even know the illness you're treating and through Instagram and Facebook I speak to so 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 many women who go to the doctors and they're like we know more than them because we've researched it. And now for this campaign my husband and I are working on, which is what the charity is for as well, we're we're researching through this campaign. Why is it so mistreated? Why do the specialists know so little? And we've been speaking to the Royal College of Gynaecology who didn't seem to think that the, um, the curriculum was an issue. And we're now going over the curriculum and seeing how little they learn about it. And it's really worrying. I just think, imagine if doctors were treating diabetes or cancer or yeah. any other illness and knew so little about it. No one would go to them. But that's what thousands and thousands of women are doing. And even these women yeah. who have every symptom and they've gone for the surgery and it's not been found, I say, trust you gut, go, go back. Ask for First of all, yeah. ask for an MRI. There's deep infiltrating endometriosis, can show up by the naked eye. There's many types of it that you can only see on MRI scans. So if a surgeon operates on you without doing an MRI scan first, run, because they're happy to go in and not know where all the endometriosis is. Listen, I had nine surgeries, so I made the mistakes too. But it's just pretty scary. And I say to these women, if you think you've got it, you find a doctor that will find it because it can be in mm. the tiniest nook and cranny in your body. And it can be causing you so much pain. And maybe you just only have a tiny bit of it. But if that cell is missed and isn't removed properly, it will continue to cause you pain. It will grow and it will spread. And it's just really scary it's a scary illness it is very
0: scary Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of women are scared to get second opinion because they take the advice from the first doctor that they see yeah yeah and i I, I always try and get across you have the right to get a second third fourth opinion if you choose to you don't have to stick with that one doctor yeah
1: yeah i think we kind of look at doctors like god and he does and i think it's time for us all to step back and look at doctors as They can do a part in helping us, but it's not the whole helping us. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Which kind of brings me around nicely. Um, We're going to have to obviously wrap this up as we could like obviously speak all day because we're both very passionate about this. Um, Absolutely. But um, is there anything that you would like to get across to the listeners, any advice that you would give or anything you'd like to leave them with about maybe your journey and, and what you've learned?
1: Um. I would honestly say that knowledge is power and that won't be what helps you on this journey because you're not gonna get all the knowledge from the doctors where you would expect to. So I beg people to do their research. Message me and I'm happy to send you all the things I've researched. I save all the medical papers. Research the illness so that you know how to take care of the illness and how to, you know, it's incurable, but there are so many things we can do to help ourselves. And please, please don't make the mistakes I did by just blindly doing every single thing the doctors tell you to do to the extent where your body's destroyed and you're fighting every day just to live and get through emotionally and physically because we're the only ones that have control over our body. And we have to advocate for ourselves, which is really scary. Um, And no, you're not alone. Reach out to me. I'm sure people can reach out to you. There's so many of us offering support, but take it, really take it.
0: Fabulous. Well, I think I can speak for all the listeners today that you're such an inspiration and I, for one, want to thank you for the work that you're actually doing for other sufferers and just keep on doing what you're doing with the writing because you just describe it all so beautifully. And again, I urge the listeners to go along and and look at what you do right about this because it's fantastic.
1: Thank you for all your support as well. It means so much
0: to me. Absolute pleasure. And it's been so great having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been so nice to speak to you as well
0: and you honey take care thanks for listening to endo matters i've been michelle brooks from desired physique if you have a question you'd like me to answer please drop me a message on facebook or instagram or email me at info at desiredphysique.co.uk if you like what you've heard and i found the information useful please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to Also, if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.